Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show that I am going to do where I talk about the stuff I've seen since the last time I did one of these. I am David. I'm the only one here. Uh, Tyler isn't always on the movie journals to begin with anymore, but um, he's definitely not now. Uh, you heard him last week, but uh, that was a, um, uh, a special occasion. Hopefully, we'll be able to forge mo- more of those special occasions in the future. Uh, but um, for now, uh, he's still... Uh, out of commission you can find out what's going on with him at caringbridge.org slash visit slash tyler and jennifer smith again caringbridge.org slash visit slash tyler and jennifer smith uh you can also donate to the gofundme which uh um somewhere on the caring bridge site but also uh pinned to the top of the homepage at battleshipretention.com um and uh supporting the uh subscribing to the patreon also helps helps tyler i mean it helps me too but uh more importantly it helps tyler tyler's clearly the better of us <laughs> he's uh, clearly the favorite um that said patreon.com slash battleship pretension so i'm gonna jump in because i haven't done one of these in a while and i have a lot to talk about although i probably won't go i mean this might still be kind of quick uh relatively quick because uh i'm gonna go kind of fast um we're starting with a rewatch which i don't always talk about rewatches but i i I rewatched a movie for the purposes of being on someone's podcast and then scheduling changed and i wasn't able to do the episode um uh so i'm gonna talk about the movie real quick because uh i don't want to have rewatched it for nothing not that it was for nothing it's one of the greatest movies ever made uh it's uh, Louise Bunuel's The Exterminating Angel, uh, which is it was really interesting to watch it um, now at, at, after at the end of this long 2022 this year of eat the rich movies of movies about rich people being awful and and crazy and getting their comeuppance in many cases. Um, that's uh, in many ways exactly what is happening in in the exterminating angel a uh, bunch of uh richies uh go over to someone's mansion um after a uh uh an opera or, or some sort of uh performance um and they all as the night goes on end up finding themselves in the same room and eventually they find themselves unable to leave that room for uh uh, reasons they don't necessarily understand uh, and so it becomes a, a a look at people who so much of their social idea or the social idea of them in other people's eyes has to do with their etiquette and their dress and their presentation um and all of these things are being stripped away as they're becoming like more hungry more desperate more sweaty um you know it's it's uh it's funny when you see where the movie goes uh in the early parts of this uh some of the men are being judged you know talked about disapprovingly by other men for having taken off their jackets in front of women (laughs) um and then eventually they're you know like trying to lure wild animals into the room to slaughter and cook them um uh it's very funny in the in the um in the true tradition of surrealist movies there is never any uh logical explanation offers for why they aren't unable to leave uh to leave the room uh and this is i I, this is the first time i've seen it in hd i think i was only familiar with like a vhs copy uh when i was in college is probably how i saw it so um uh, it was great getting watching it on the criterion channel um and seeing it in something approaching more of its glory uh um next up for me uh for me it's i'm the only one here um dario argento's dark glasses uh 
is a movie about a um a woman a sex worker who is attacked by a serial killer who kills sex workers she survives but is blinded uh and um then almost immediately upon her recovery uh she is being tracked being followed by the serial killer who wants to finish the job i guess um it's <laughs> the movie uh pairs this blind sex worker and potential murder victim with a like a 10 year old boy who happens to be there was a the attempt on her life resulted in a car accident that killed two people and so he's the orphan so she like sort of takes him in and then uh she gets a seeing eye dog uh from her um government aid uh played by Asi argento um and so it's uh weirdly like a cute story of a woman like who and her friendship with a boy and a dog but it's also a Dario Argento like uh very like violent and sometimes sexually violent uh horror thriller at the same time um but uh the movie is so fun I I I had a blast uh definitely I I'm a dog lover and this is definitely a very pro dog movie. Um, the, uh, the dog is a, I think a German shepherd in the movie and, and, uh, he's just the coolest. And, um, the movie is just Dario Argento at, I mean, if you saw Vortex, you know, you know, his advanced age, but, uh, still light on his feet filmmaking wise and able to pull off a movie that is just a ton of fun. So, uh, yeah, really liked Dark Glasses. Another rewatch. This might be the last rewatch, because I don't do rewatches all that often. Yeah, this will be the last rewatch, because I'm not going to talk about Fire of Love, because I talked about it with Tyler last week. So, another rewatch, and this is one I have not seen in 20 years. Um, uh, over, I Probably over uh, 20 years. Um... I watched the new 4K restoration of Ang Lee's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And when I was when I saw this movie, you know, I was probably 18. I was not prepared. I didn't know anything about wuxia uh, movies. I didn't really know martial arts movies in general, but generally, but definitely like the idea of people like being able to leap and soar through the air and run up walls and run up trees and stuff it all seemed so strange to me that i could not get past it it was just like too set in my ways which is a weird thing to say about such a young kid but i my thinking was still so narrow that i just couldn't handle crouch and tiger hidden dragon i was like i just couldn't handle people running up trees for some reason i don't know uh watching it now i couldn't have been more wrong what an incredibly beautiful movie uh and yeah the action scenes are great the fighting scenes are fantastically well choreographed and and shot but uh what i really come away with is the connections between the characters the the invisible but palpable things especially uh between Michelle Yeoh and um, Chow Yun-Fat, uh, who have this sort of like forbidden love thing, but then uh, uh, Zhang Ziyi um, uh, having this sort of secret life and this like angry sort of almost adolescent passion uh and Chow Yun Fat like seeing something in her, but her like just there's so much complexity between the characters, and so much of it comes across in their eyes and in their faces and the way they look at each other more than what's what's said. Uh, I I couldn't have been more wrong when I was 18. This it's a the, the movie's a masterpiece. It's it gorgeous, and I look forward to watching it again. The uh, it's I am. Uh, 
happy to say that I've only seen it twice, both times in a theater. Uh, first time obviously would have been on film in the year 2001. Like that's how we were seeing movies back then. Uh, and this was a 4k DCP. So, uh, I may be curious to see how it would play at, at home. Uh, all right. Next up is, and I'm not going to say a lot about this movie for reasons that will become clear in a few days, but I really liked Clay Tatum's The Civil Dead. Uh, it's a, a, I guess, a supernatural comedy. I was almost going to say horror comedy, but it's not. It's about a ghost, but it's not scary. So I don't know if horror comedy is the right thing, but it's about a guy who uh, runs into an old friend who hasn't seen him forever, and the old friend keeps hanging around and won't leave for days and eventually realized the old friend is dead and is a ghost and is i guess haunting this guy but really not out of any sort of malice it's more out of like um most people can't see him because he has a connection to our main guy uh he could be seen and so he doesn't want to leave this guy's side most because he is just afraid of being alone uh and if that sounds sad it is the movie is very funny but also very sad and it's also very prickly the main character uh the the alive guy um is uh um not exactly the best dude uh he could be very selfish um and and hurtful uh to get what he wants uh so um yeah i really liked it the civil dead it's it's yeah funny and sad and, and cool uh all right next up mia hansen levey's one fine morning um this is uh um again it's mia hansen levey i tend to like her movies um and i this one's no exception i really love this uh and it's leia sedu who's always great in everything um as a um single mother as i as i think uh or a single mother i think um uh who runs into an old friend uh a male old friend and uh they start to have an affair at the meet and but at the same time leah sue's character is uh caring for her um uh, elderly father who has a form of dementia and is also blind uh, i think um so yeah i mean trying to describe the story or plot of one fine morning uh is kind of a waste of time it's mostly just a uh portrait of, it's a character piece it's a portrait of 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 this woman um and uh her attempt to forge a life for herself that she wants despite limited options it's weird to say limited options because if we're talking about economically she's not like a woman of no means she's like a you know pretty solidly comfortably middle class family but i mean um interpersonally she uh is so limited by her duty to her father and it's not just duty she wants to be there um and and help him but her her time and options are are limited as a as a result uh and um it's kind of a bittersweet maybe even optimistic movie about uh finding companionship and love and sex where you can um and uh being able to make do with that uh and leah sidhu looks great she uh has a very short haircut that's very cool um all right next up another movie i'm not going to say much uh, uh about but uh, for reasons that will become clear soon, uh, Elvis Mitchell's Is That Black Enough For You? This is a documentary about uh, black American cinema in general, but more specifically about the sort of black plantation bloom, bloom boom of the uh, 60s and 70s. But it's not a... Um, 
it's it's not a Wikipedia article about it. It's still it's an Elvis Mitchell film, and it is his his film and his point of view and his personal essay about these films. Um, uh, but also, it's full. It's just jam packed. It's two hours and fifteen minutes, and it's jam packed with clips from movies, some of which I've seen, many of which I haven't, and it gave me a lot of. Uh, um, ideas for movies that I want to watch in the, in the near future. Um, okay. Uh, next up a Filipino movie called Leonor will never, will never die. Um, this is a, uh, let's, this, this is a fun, um, movie about, uh, a retired action filmmaker uh, Filipino action filmmaker who um, is well, I guess she's semi-retired because she's still working on a screenplay and then she falls into a coma uh, and I want to make clear this is a comedy and this is this is a comedic coma not like Tyler's coma um, uh, if she falls into a coma in, and then within the coma she is in the screenplay that she was writing so it's a sort of like surreal action comedy uh but it's also clearly an homage to a strain of filipino action comedies probably from like the 80s and 90s that i don't really know but uh it's interesting how it's it's great how well the movie often evokes that era in the way it looks and feels and in the costumes um even though it ostensibly takes place in the modern day a lot of the stuff takes place within her screenplay which is a throwback uh and uh so yeah not only does it like evoke the era it also evokes the concerns of the era this is a um very clearly a movie about a female filmmaker working in a genre at a time when masculinity was was key and so her characters and the characters that she's interacting with in her coma are uh um you know lantern john stone faced you know uh noble men not noblemen they're like poor but noble males uh uh acting out of a very masculine interpretation of 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 loyalty and you know fraternity uh so it's interesting in the things that it uh delves into but it's also just a very fun movie uh give me one second here all right someday i'll become like tom sharpling i'll become comfortable enough just having some silence on the thing without having to say like give me a second i need to take a drink of water or whatever um okay uh next up christopher smith not chris smith not chris smith who directed uh senior as tyler and i talked about last week christopher smith uh his new movie is called consecration um and it stars uh jenna malone whom i've i've always uh really liked um who is doing a, an english accent it doesn't seem that great uh she is a um staunch atheist and her brother is a priest but her brother dies in a convent it's ruled a suicide she's gone to she's called out to scotland where this convent is convent is to identify the body and she's convinced this isn't a suicide you know my brother was murdered she's not going to leave she so she decides to stick around this little village um meanwhile so she's sort of like halfway befriending the um scottish detective but meanwhile the vatican sends a priest to do their own investigation and he's played by danny houston who is not doing an american accent he is uh or not doing a british accent he is playing an american priest um and uh yeah that's the basic premise there's more to it this uh particular convent this particular uh 
I mean, it's referred to at one point as a sect, but uh, the, this these nuns practice a specific interpretation of Catholicism, let's say, um, and uh, uh, it there are some secrets that they're covering up and it gets uh, darker and weirder and more supernatural as it goes on and people are not what they seem. There's a certain amount of fun or intrigue to that, but it doesn't really go anywhere. And I don't mean that it has to like, I'm not like a, one of those cranky, like fans of lost back in the day who were like, no, they didn't answer every single question. Um, uh, th- that's not the kind of, resolution i'm talking about it just doesn't seem to ever like fully come into itself but that said you've still got general owner denny houston you've got christopher smith playing around with a lot of uh catholic imagery in sacrilegious ways that are you know um highlighting the uh the regality but also the austerity of the life of uh the the cloistered life of a of a nun and the rituals and the history but also the blood that so much of christianity is involved with the blood of jesus and there's a lot of blood in this movie um there's a lot of imagery in the movie that is like honestly like interesting enough that i can't write the movie off fully but i just wish that it seemed to have more of a reason to exist um uh you know it it could have been you know it could have been a a music video or an experimental short or something that had this imagery it 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 has all this drama in it that doesn't really uh amount to to much though although denny houston's very good all right next up same sadiq's joyland uh this is this was i think pakistan's uh submission for the oscars obviously didn't get nominated though it though it is nominated for best foreign or whatever they call the category uh independent spirit award uh and this is a movie about uh, or since it starts out being about a um young man who lives with his he and his wife live with his family and um he gets a job at a uh, sort of erotic nightclub. It's not super erotic, but uh, he gets a job as a backup dancer for a uh, trans woman. Um, is is the the act that he's uh, uh, involved in and uh, begins in a an affair uh, with her, but um, it's and yeah the performances are great i'm not gonna say much about it performances are great uh on top of that um the imagery is great and as the movie goes on it becomes less about less specifically about this one guy having an affair and more a portrait of this very sad family that he's that he's a part of uh so yeah joyland by sam Sadiq, really really good really liked it What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Um, I guess another uh, Oscar submission that didn't get nominated, uh, Israel's Oscar submission, is called Cinema Sabaya, which is a it um, takes place. The premise is that there's a woman's videography workshop taught by a documentarian, um, and it includes both. Uh, Israeli and Palestinian women and um, a lot of the classes you know they they have like filmmaking assignments that we 
get to that you know they that they show and and share but a lot of the classes are them talking and it's kind of um it the movie seems like kind of a framework for for these women from these two different sides of of things to uh to have conversations but it doesn't feel like didactic or uh pre-programmed either um a lot of it is less about the facts of the case and more about the attitudes you know the um the israeli women even in trying to connect um often come across as condescending toward the the palestinian women uh but also as the movie goes on we come to see that like the movie puts to the test the idea that there are only two sides that there are clearly like different ways of thinking within each camp i don't just mean thinking about the uh uh relations between uh the two nations um but just thinking about just outlooks on the world and values and and morals and, and religion uh this is all sounding pretty dry and the movie is not not dry but it's it's definitely interesting uh enough and director orit folks wrote him uh feels uh I, I don't know what else they've done but feels very um confident with the with the camera not like trying to do too much to like spice up the fact that the movie is mostly very talky but also not like just pointing a camera at the women as they talk there's there's a lot of thought that has clearly gone into um how the movie's constructed so yeah not bad at all cinema sabaya all right i said i was going to skip fire of love because i already talked about that rewatch so I, I will talk about emily directed by uh francis o'connor and starring emma mackey who um probably uh if you if you know uh who that is you probably know her from um from sex education netflix the netflix series sex education um i uh uh she's the main i mean francis o'connor is knows what she's doing um here but uh, i do think emma mackey is the main reason to to see this movie the movie puts a lot on her and she really fully owns uh every scene as young emily emily bronte um uh but it doesn't um in the sense that this is about a um it's a movie about a woman writing a book but it's not the same approach as you know little women or or whatever it's uh there's more of the gothic to it um and uh more of the outsider's point of view um uh or the that that gloomy dark outsider's point of view the movie often feels like a horror thriller in some ways even though it's um you know a biopic uh it it feels like there's something lurking um that is either going to be a threat to emily bronte or emily bronte is going to become a threat um and and that tension informs the entire movie and informs uh emma mackie's performance uh there is at least one like full-on like not full-on but definitely horror teasing horror adjacent sequence um early on that i that i really liked where there's a seance but uh yeah i definitely um in enjoyed enjoyed the movie um uh and emma mackey quite a talent is those of us who have stuck with sex education and actually i say stuck with but watched it get better season by season uh, already knew uh, speaking of great talents, I can't believe I waited this long to watch Pearl, Ty West's Pearl. I had seen X way back when it came out, and when I heard about Pearl, it sounded interesting, and I meant to see it, and people kept seeing it, loved it, and I just 
never got around to it until last week and i'm so glad i did um because yeah x i was like i thought x was like fine you know a, a pretty like sturdy you know horror slasher type movie um but pearl as the origin story of the decrepit creepy old lady in x is uh inspired and um uh in in terms of being the getting us into the mind of uh a singular i was gonna say a person like but there's no person like pearl she's a it's a singular uh mind a singular uh set of thirsts um for attention and fame but also for blood and power um all housed in the like sort of half naive farm farm girl in 1918 texas um uh in the body of mia goth who's obviously very small um and so all of this being in inside her is uh it's just so fun to to delve into um uh it's there's there's inspiration um more so than what x had i think in uh, visually also in the sense that this is a covid movie you know that we're uh it's not a covid movie it's a spanish influenza movie 1918 but it is a pandemic movie is the word i was looking for um uh is i don't know what that directly lead len, lends to the 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 plot but i think in terms of that feel of um our priorities get realigned you know um that definitely was the case for me and remains the case i I think for some people they might have like backslid into their old way of life but i um i think my priorities have been permanently altered by the the pandemic and spending you know a year uh a year plus inside with without other people and um and uh that feeling of being trapped maybe like i was lucky enough you know during the height of the covid pandemic um and quarantine to be with at home with my wife my love um but imagine being stuck with uh being a essentially a teen i mean i guess she's a she's in her 20s she's a young, a young woman stuck at home with uh parents who don't understand her and whom she can't stand uh that the desperation um you know adds a new layer to her, her sort of uh murderous <laughs> outbursts um yeah i i i really absolutely loved pearl okay what's next we gotta be we gotta be coming up on the i feel like i'm going forever but i guess if it's just me uh that's what happens so uh all right next i saw because i felt like i had to because of the, all the awards attention i saw edward Berger's all quiet on the western front I was wondering how does a movie get this like it's clearly a big production um it clearly got a big push and got a lot of attention from the industry and and the awards industry but like it seemed to completely fall through the cracks nah no not (laughs) not like our episode next week that's coming up it seemed to bypass a lot of critical discussion. It just wasn't being talked about um, among critics, and suddenly it shows up. And so a part of me was going in wondering, like, is this going to be crap? Is this going to be like... Is this going to be like a made-for-Netflix, like a TV miniseries that just happens to be a two-and-a-half-hour movie? Uh and no, it's so. I'm now I'm even more baffled as to how it got like ignored by critics because it's like, it's a real movie and it's like well made and pretty uh, competent and not too condescending. I think or or, or patronizing. Uh, it is a little bit, but it's also hard. To, like when you're talking about something as horrifying as world war one 
it feels crass for me to say something like Edelberger is laying it on a little thick. But at times it does feel like some of his like cuts between, you know, boys essentially uh, being slaughtered en masse at the orders of uh, generals and then cutting to those generals who are, you know, miles from the front line and, uh, you know, dressed in full regalia, eating full meals and uh, writing, you know, <clears throat> writing these orders and with, you know, ink pens and, and at, at, at fancy desks. It, like, that is awful and that's true, but also he goes to that well so many times that maybe... I did feel a little talked down to, maybe a little bit. Uh, maybe I take back what I said about it not being condescending, but it's not condescending in the way, like, it doesn't... The movie doesn't treat you like you're stupid, and the movie also doesn't flatter the audience in the way that I expect this kind of, like, important movie to... important awards type of historical thing to do. It doesn't say, like, uh, you're better for having watched this movie about these atrocities. Um, a lot of it does feel senseless and it should feel senseless. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, so it's definitely an above average movie. It's just, I'm just so weirded out by how it had never occurred to me or like most people I know to watch it until it got a bunch of Oscar nominations. Okay. What's next? Oh my gosh. Next up another, I saw the same day. I saw multiple uh, very long movies on the same day. Uh, I finally watched Matt Reeves' The Batman, which I had not really had any interest in watching because I'm guilty of superhero fatigue. But uh, all I needed was The Batman, I guess, to break me out of my superhero fatigue because um, it's a super fun movie and not uh, it, it felt like a throwback in some ways to like on the one it, like it, it it's on the one hand, it's not the super self-serious uh, um, superhero movie uh, that's like ashamed of its comic book roots that we would see with like uh, the later Nolan Batman, uh, or I guess the last Nolan Batman and, and some of the Zack Snyder stuff. Um, it's unabashedly a comic book movie, but it's also not making a joke out of everything or trying to make a joke out of thing or being like light or meta or self-referential, like the Marvel mode of superhero movies. It just felt like a throwback to like a solid, like using superheroes to tell a solid, like fun, uh, action crime movie with outlandish characters. Um, uh, Robert Pattinson's great, but really the costuming is great. Like the first time we see, uh, Batman, as Batman on like a subway platform, he comes out of the shadows and it like, it looks just badass. He's so imposing. Um, even before he, he does anything. Um, then you've got like, uh, you've got kind of a weird take on the Riddler that, uh, uh or a weird costuming take on, on the Riddler. Um, but I like Paul Dano, uh, Colin Farrell is fantastic, um, as the Penguin, uh, John Turturro plays Carmen Falcone, everyone who's listening to this probably knows all this stuff already, uh, but, um, so I don't know what to say that probably hasn't already been said, other than that it's just a really good, uh, action movie, but it's also the, there's a reason you cast good charismatic actors in, in these, in these roles, um, because you've got Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz, um, you know, being very heightened characters. Pattinson has half of his uh, um, face covered the entire movie, but you get the connection between them and they're like the final scene between the two of them is wordless final, final scene of them, like driving in opposite ways on separate motorcycles, obviously separate motorcycles. Um, and Pattinson, or sorry, Batman, uh, takes one last look in his little like side like rear view mirror to see her like disappear over the hill behind him it's really beautiful and michael giacchino's score there is really beautiful and i just like it's just what a fun movie that isn't like it isn't like in this wave or maybe we're at the end of this wave that we've been in for over a decade maybe almost 20 years of non-stop superhero movies 
uh, it's really refreshing to watch one that doesn't feel like it's trying to prove anything, trying to upend anything. It's not trying to comment on anything. It's just, uh, I mean, it does have some comments in the way that, yeah, I guess it felt like the comics do. Like it felt like Batman comics do these days where it's like not, it's just still being a Batman comic. <laughs> It's 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 it exists separately from the uh, the discourse and and the continuum of the superhero movies. It just stands on its own, and it's damn good and damn fun. So uh, yeah, I really liked uh, the Batman. Uh, next up, I watched and again another very long movie. All these I watched on the same day: All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, and a an Indian movie called Pony and Selvan or Pony and Selvan part one, because part two is coming and this one does not have a uh, definitive ending, or at least I don't think the truth is I have no idea what is going on in this movie. It is so convoluted. It's about a guy who um, is uh, uh, some kind of like nobleman or royalty, but without a home, he's like a, man without a country or whatever uh and he gets involved in some intrigue between another i guess kingdom called the chola kingdom um uh which of course i kept uh picturing you know i live, I live in los angeles i kept picturing cholas but um that's not what the movie's about uh um so i have there's so many like plots and conspiracies and double crossing and uh secret allegiances and stuff in this movie i truly don't know what's going on uh that's not really a complaint um but also that's not to say i don't have other things about the movie that i do complain about the first thing i'll say though the great thing about the main guy uh whose name i guess is he's just a one word guy one word one name guy uh Car- carty or carthy k-a-r-t-h-i uh is just shockingly charming and is is fantastic in in the movie um he's this guy's made to be like a movie star and an action hero just want to be on his side all the time he's got that like that that great action hero thing of being like super capable but also like plenty vulnerable like so you can you can feel confident that he's gonna win but also in the fights when he's up against the wall you're like oh oh, i feel bad like this guy he might not make it or something might happen to him uh that's the best thing about the movie is is the performance by by carthy um other than that it's just a pretty um by the book you know contemporary uh action epic the the there are a few big fight scenes none of them like uh, really stand out, but um, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely not bad. I don't know if I will make time for part two when it when it comes out. I don't know if I'm invested enough to spend another three hours uh, on this, but it's not bad. Uh, next up, a really really great movie. Um, also uh, nominated for an Independent Spirit uh, Foreign Film. Uh, award i think or international film what they call it what they call it uh davy chow's return to soul which is um a movie that takes place uh in seoul uh, south korea and partially in france but is technically a C- cambodian movie and that's who submitted it for the oscars is is cambodia but uh i don't think there are any cambodian characters and the movie doesn't take place in cambodia it's just an interesting like financing thing um but this is a movie about a, a young woman who was uh, born in Korea to Korean parents, but was adopted by French uh, French people. Um, I'm guessing in the late '80s, doing the like sort of working backwards on the math. Um, and at the beginning of the movie, she has she has come to Seoul for the first time on kind of a whim. We don't really get the full backstory, but we get the sense that this is a person who would like you to think of her as a free spirit but actually she's less free than she is adrift um and maybe even spinning out uh and so she comes to soul uh, according to her not with any intention of searching for her birth parents but 
that's what she ends up doing anyway. Uh, and um, without going too far into that, the movie ends up, take, as it goes on, it takes place over uh, a number of years um, as she makes return trips to Seoul over the years for for a variety of of reasons um this is again like one fine morning a movie that's more of a character piece than uh, a story but it does also tell a story of a woman who i i i wonder i i I, yeah obviously i wonder but i i would assume that people who are adopted especially people who are who were adopted into countries and or cultures other than the one they were born into um would may very well uh and very likely have um a more keyed in and intense read on on this movie but this idea of her of of this woman um whose name is freddie uh frederick um feeling feeling lost and 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 like I I used the word earlier, the term earlier, spinning out. Um, she continues to do that over the years, but it the the sort of hope of the movie and the thing that makes the ending so beautiful, which I won't give away, but uh, is the suggestion that she may not have been spinning out; she may have been actually moving closer to something, moving closer toward some sort of peace or or harmony with the unknowable chaos that is life and and her life situation in particular um i found the movie uh quietly as it went on the movie definitely doesn't start quiet and has some loud parts in it but uh as it went on it goes on it gets quieter and i found it to also grow exponentially in emotional impact uh i was pretty bowled over by return to soul all right two more home stretch hold on um sticking with korea um though a totally different movie uh i watched a, a sci-fi action historical epic sort of melange of of uh um, of genres called Alienoid that um, I cannot deny is plenty of fun. Uh, in terms of the way the movie looks, it's very modern and, and very kind of marvely, or you know, it's um, and very CGI heavy. Uh, so you know, those things aren't my favorite. Uh, um, but this plot is so loopy and so strange and inspired uh that i couldn't help but have fun with the movie it's hard to even describe but there's an alien civilization that uses earth and the bodies of earthlings as vessels like prisons for political prisoners it sends political prisoners uh and traps them in the bodies of earthlings and most of these earthlings don't ever know that they're carrying around these alien (coughs) forms in them but sometimes they can escape and so there's like a robot who's basically like the prison guard of earth (laughs) um whose job is to stop the aliens who try to escape one of them like escapes and kills the woman that like the human woman that it was trapped in and leaves this infant behind and we're talking about like 600 years ago or something um uh and then the robot and his and his robot he so he's a robot and then he has a robot helper um decide to take the baby back to their sort of like home base because they can travel back and forth through time obviously i didn't i didn't even need to say that of course they can travel back and forth through time they decided to take the baby um back to their home thing not because it's an orphan and they want to raise it even though that's what they end up doing but like to learn more about humans because they don't actually know anything about humans they just use them as vessels and they uh hadn't really thought about them at all (laughs) um so the i guess there end up being two main stories there's a story that takes place when the girl has grown up into like a 
12 year old or so in the present day and then there's the story that takes place 600 years in the past after the events that we see at the beginning where they take the baby and it only becomes clear as it goes on what those two stories have to do with one another um and uh it's very silly funny it's also a movie like pony and selvin that is clearly geared to be the first in uh at least a two-parter if not if not more um this one i would say i am more inclined to check in on what happens next because uh i just had too much fun with with the movie i would be more into uh the late period like marvel movies if they had this kind of um inventiveness and also i should mention there's a lot of comic relief in the movie that is actually funny not the marvel thing this has become marvel bashing but the marvel thing of like a quip that sounds like a joke but isn't actually a joke it's just quippy and not funny this has like unabashed like pratfalls and goofy ass characters and like just old-fashioned big dumb comedy (laughs) i actually liked that too so uh yeah i'm talking myself into liking alienoid more than i did uh than i thought i did but um yeah it's plenty of fun uh not very fun though i guess your mileage may vary uh elizabeth banks cocaine bear I, i mean i guess here's what i'll say you will probably like this movie exactly as much as you think you're going to like it if you are the type of person who hears the description of a horror comedy about a rampaging black bear who keeps eating cocaine if that sounds like cool or funny to you you might like this movie you very well will like this movie if you think that sounds stupid like i do uh you will probably be uh uh confirmed in in that so i thought it was pretty stupid i thought like it it is definitely a horror comedy going back to what i was saying about marvel movies it is definitely a horror comedy in the sense that it is horrific it is like actually super gory um but as the for the comedy part it has the feeling of a comedy but it has very very few actual jokes it tends to i think replace um jokes with just like loudness and like i said gore there's a lot of like you know limbs and digits torn off and you know faces disfigured and heads smushed and there's just all kinds of stuff that happens in the movie and it seems to treat those things as the punchlines, but they're not really funny especially they're like very fakey cgi looking as well um yeah this movie just wasn't for me but i mean i go into every movie hoping it'll be good but i think i knew this movie wasn't from gonna be for me and i was right i mean i think i gave it every opportunity but uh yeah not my kind of this movie not my kind of movie (laughs) 